This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to Sacred Collective. Um, we have one of our listeners um, on the podcast tonight, um, Neil Sedgwick, all the way from, uh, what is it, Belfast, Ireland? Belfast, yeah. yeah. So for some of our listeners, we do have, I will say, a, a preface, a lot of our listeners um, from Sacred Collective are, you know, listeners and, you know, congregants um, of Revolution, so we have a lot of crossover, but, you know, we have a we have a little bit that aren't as well. Um, so, Neil, maybe just for a little bit, how did you find out about Sacred Collective? Um, whether you listen a lot or a little bit, how did you just kind of stumble into the Sacred Collective world? Um, well, through, through Revolution, as you said, um, I, I think I heard you speak, Brian, one time at Revolution, maybe? I've, I've um, done that a few times. Yeah, and then we kind of connected on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. And then that led me to the podcast and um, all those conversations. So it kind of, it's that kind of tumble down effect of starting, starting a revolution and then everybody connecting in there and, and making those kind of connections, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And I will have to say, I kudos to Jay or good old friend Jay for, doing some shout-outs at Revolution um, about Sacred Collective. And I know he's kind of said Sacred Collective is like a sister church, um, sister ministry, mm-hmm. whatever kind of language you want to use. I also get it as like the small group. Yeah, it could could be of- a small group of it. So def- definitely a lot of crossover. Like when I look at Instagram likes and stuff, I'm like, oh, they're from Revolution. Revolution, not, but probably from Revolution. <laughs> so, yeah, we do. We do. It's kind of cool how we've kind of, you know, intermeshed um, together. It's... It's a, it's a lovely partnership. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of Belfast listeners because of Pete Rollins' connection to yeah. Jay. Yeah, um, which I was, is how I, how I ended up where Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, you, do you Belfast uh, Revolution dudes like all know each other? <laughs> no. So there was a, a conversation with somebody very recently, and I was like, oh, my goodness, there's somebody else. Um, forgive me, I can't remember There's you guys' name off Ray, the top of my head. Ray Dowling is another Ray Belfast, Dowling. yeah. Uh, and then there's there's one more that we've interviewed on Meet Your Congregation on Revolution. But I was thinking, like, if, if I was wondering if all you if all you all like go to to Pete's festivals and stuff, you know, go to go to Wake and and Spark and stuff and and see each other. We we may well have, but I I haven't um, connected with any of those guys yet, and that's something that. Um, after hearing Ray, I was like, "Oh, we should definitely grab a coffee and make, make these connections in actual real life totally. instead of internet life." Yeah, because how how big is Belfast? Like how 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 far away could he be from you? Um, Belfast isn't that big in terms of a a capital. In terms of the capital city, I mean, Northern Ireland has a population of 1.8 million, okay. I think. Uh-huh. So, like, it's it's a small it's a small country, um, and we end up in this. Um, it's almost like a joke locally, where you can say to somebody, "Oh, do you know such and such?" and you will connect the dots. You know, like that. Um, mm-hmm. Was it seven degrees, degrees of Kevin Bacon yeah, game Kevin that Bacon, people play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that type of game. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it, it's not that massive. Um, and yet, at times, people tend to um, stay in their own um, quarter, if you like. So kind of north, south, east, west. I live out in East Belfast. Um, and it's funny how you can live in this city and yet, there's parts of it that I I've never been to huh. in my own, within my own city, uh-huh. um, and that has to do with our history and and troubles and things like that. Where yeah. certain places when I was when I was growing up were just no go. Um, yeah, it was yeah. So there's there's whole sections of of my own city that I've never been to. I was wondering how much how much do you still see like the shadows of the troubles? Like how much can you still how much does that still kind of flavor the water there? 
Um, it doesn't. It doesn't so much flavor the water, but there is there is a there is an undercurrent. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes um, there, you know, you will see in certain areas um, the different flags. So you'll see, you know, you'll see British flags, you'll see Irish flags, okay. you'll see murals to the various um, paramilitary organisations okay. on on both sides, depending on where you are. And things like that. So it's, it's always there. Um, are there the people who like are still who I, I would compare? You know, my I'm very American. Um, so my yeah. frame of reference would be like people who who still you know like uh, wear the 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 southern flag, you Confederate know, the, flag, the Confederate yeah. flag, and are there other people uh, who are still hardcore, like who who still uh, want the troubles to that conflict to be going on. Um, are the little like mil- millennial assholes who sit around on YouTube and like like watch those <laughs> propaganda videos and and they're like hard writers? A, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I don't think anybody, um, really when you when you boil it right right down, I don't think anybody wants to go fully back to the way things were. Yeah, here. Um, because there was a, a horrendous amount of, of people who died, and yeah, it's it it, it it is a it's still the scars of it are are still sure. here. Okay, um, there's there's no there's no way of of escaping it, and those those scars um haven't fully healed. Yeah, in in certain ways, uh-huh. um, and I mean there's. There's there's very few families here who weren't directly affected in, in some way. Yeah. Um you know, and and that's part of the legacy of it and it's it's mm-hmm. still working its it's still working its way out. Yeah. And it's, it's imperfect and it it requires conversation and it requires um give and take on both sides and it requires listening and being able to disagree well, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's all those things. Um, yeah. But you guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> we like you guys are going like through trying, that right now. Trying to practice that. I don't know. We we're having a history lesson. But this is fantastic. Well, you know, I, what? Like, I like it. I have a couple more questions. Um, <laughs> without uh, you know trying to be insensitive or anything like that. So pardon any of my ignorance. Yeah. Um, I, I know that conflicts like that and conflicts like say, you know, race wars or, you know, race riots and things like that. I know that mm. at the root, it really is a trivial thing. You know, the, one side will be saying, you know, uh, like, I don't know, go home or, or they'll, they'll be saying certain chants and certain rhetoric, yeah. but it doesn't really matter. It's just people who are angry mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, at a scapegoat. They're pro- it's, it's all projection. You know, it, it really doesn't matter what the what the actual disagreement, what the, um, what the, the intricacies of the, the specifics of the disagreement are. But I, I know that the canvas for the troubles was conflict between Protestants and Catholics. Um, mm. I just, you know, in, in America, we just like Protestants and Catholics are totally cool. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, we, yeah. we just, uh, most, most uh, Protestants that I know, you know, consider Catholics to be Christians also, and mm-hmm. brothers and sisters or whatever. Uh, so, can can you kind of help us understand where, like, what stirred up that conflict? I know I know that there were political elements as well. You know, like with with uh, with England um, yeah. versus wanting to stay I- Irish, and but can you maybe educate me a little bit yeah. more? I mean that that's probably more more the core of it the the British aspect versus the Irish aspect. So mm. and and how that how that played out mainly is that the the vast majority of um, people who were Catholic here um, would identify as Irish, and the the majority of people who um, would identify as British. Um, are more traditionally from a Protestant background, so it kind of has okay. it. It has this historical, um, religious, political thing all all wrapped up within it. So it's it's really really um, 
it's really, really complex. Um, and the, <laughs> this isn't the podcast for like a three-hour history. <laughs> well, that but, helps explain it, a lot that it's, it's almost, it almost is like a form of identity politics. It's not really about the religion. It's a, it's yeah. Uh, they're just kind of lumped in with the group kind of thing. Have you heard that that joke about the Muslims uh, driving through Belfast during the Troubles? Oh yeah, and they yeah. and they get stopped, and the officer says, "Are you, uh, are you are you Catholic or Protestant?" And they say, "No, we're Muslim." And he says, "Well, are you are you Catholic or Protestant Muslims?" <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is fascinating okay. to hear. This is fascinating to hear. Like I know about the Troubles, but. I'm sure you probably talk to most Americans on the street, and you talk to them about the troubles, and they're going to look at you like most people my age are, are fully ignorant. You know, to like it. I, I, I mean, I knew about. There are it. some TV shows coming out now that are setting yeah. the troubles that at, are kind of helping re- raise awareness about it. There was a documentary on Netflix probably a year or two ago that I watched, and it was, I think it was a Belfast filmmaker, and maybe you know what it is. I forget off the top of my head what it was. But it was a guy going through Belfast and talking about the troubles and, you know, talking to, you know, staunch Catholics and then talking to staunch Protestants and, you know, talking about like how this this part of the town is, you know, Catholic, this part of the town is Protestant, you know, certain taggers, you know, graffiti artists, you know, would paint this mural of someone from like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And I just thought it was fascinating how when you think of Ireland, when I think of Ireland, I think of the you know beautiful scenery, you know beautiful hills, you know right on the ocean. I think of the awesome alcohol that <laughs> Ireland produces. You don't you oh, don't yeah. really think of you know the troubles, but so I mean I think it's fascinating, yeah. you know. And thanks for sharing that. I mean it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And it it is it is beautiful, and it is all these things, and and uh, nobody nobody loves it more than me. I I, I um. There's a there's kind of a generation coming behind my own and what I hope will be my my kids' generation because I have two daughters mm-hmm. and it, it's that thing of none of that matters that that identity issue is becoming less and less important and particularly when you move into bigger issues that are facing us all you know environmentally global warming all that stuff I mean. We have had we've had in Belfast Black Lives Matter protests. Like our young people are so more mm. uh, socially aware than probably my generation wow. even was, where we were we were just kind of into what was happening in our own streets, if you like. And mm-hmm. part of that's the internet and all that stuff. And I, and I know, but that that identity issue is becoming, uh, I think, and I hope less and less of an issue for young people here. It still exists in those very um, staunch kind of uh, Protestant Catholic areas. Like, it, like don't get me wrong, it, it, it does still exist, but there is this this generation kind of pushing through and kind of not, that, that issue isn't their, their kind of first concern as it was, you know? Mm. That's awesome. Well, we could have this history lesson all day, but... yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it, we have. Well, it's a very time. relevant right now. No, it too, is. You know? Yeah, it, there's a lot of parallels. For it is because you because you all as as a result um, cleaned house with the police force, right? Like, didn't didn't you all? Yeah. To, you just totally hit the reset button and 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 wiped out the old the old uh, regime and and hit reset. Yeah. So, our when I was a kid, um, the police force here was called the RUC, which stood for the Royal Ulster Constabulary. And they were seen um, in in many ways as a very kind of Protestant organization, a very um, huh. kind of... Uh, so English. A, a lot of... Yeah, well, they were, all, they were all local guys. Like, they were all local men and women. Um, the vast majority, there were some English officers in the higher kind of ranks of it, but they they were seen very much as kind of a British force mm-hmm. here. Right, right. Um, so when I was... When I was coming into my teenage years um they so the kind of the kind of whole peace agreement here happened when i was turning uh 18 mm-hmm. um so just kind of coming into adulthood and 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 that type of thing and i remember a police officer coming into school and talking about the changes that were going to come to the, pol- the police here and it was rebranded uh for want of a better phrase to the the police service of northern ireland 
um, and they put in place measures like ensuring 50-50 recruiting. So you had a you had Protestant and Catholic people uh, applying for jobs and, and getting jobs in kind of equal measures mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that to, to try and remove the um, probably the stigma of what it was at one stage. Um, yeah, and yeah, so like when I, when I was a kid as well, I would have there would have been British Army on the street, yeah. like Axel Army, and walking wow. around and checkpoints. Um, you couldn't drive a car into Belfast. They said so. I do all this stuff with my kids, where I'm like, we go to the airport, and I remember um, driving out to the airport, and there was a checkpoint at the airport, and they they checked your boot and checked under your car to make sure you didn't have a bomb, and you then. Um, have a nice holiday, shut the boot, and away you go. Yeah, like that, wow. that was, and it was. But the weird thing is, it was such a normal thing. Like it didn't even, uh-huh. like you didn't, you didn't even flinch. Like you went in the shop, and somebody took your mum's bag, and they opened it, and they had a look inside to check your mum wasn't carrying like some kind of device to, you know, blow the shop up. And then you went in, did your shopping, and came out. And there, like, there's all these points in Belfast where I walk around with my kids and go, like, in the city centre and go. There was an army checkpoint there. There was an army checkpoint wow. there. That's I wild. came down here one day. Didn't go down there. I went three streets over. I heard a bang, and then I knew something had blown up. So I went home. Wow. <laughs> like all these kind of. That's <laughs> and it, wild. It probably sounds like the most surreal thing to you guys, but that that was that was our our norm. Yeah, well, kind it, of teenagers. Well, like Caleb was saying, that there is a lot of relevance from from what you're just describing with the troubles and like all those army checkpoints where, I mean, and I'm, I'm happy as an American where, you know, black lives matter protests and stuff are happening worldwide. And not, I'm not a black person, but as, as you know, an ally yeah. towards that movement and towards people of color, um, I think it's fascinating that, that people are standing up worldwide um, for that. And it's not just an American thing, but you know, like I have, I have a daughter myself and she's three and, mm. You know, my wife and I sometimes just sit back and we're like, it's, it has to be such a hard time in this in the world right now in 2020, uh, with the whole pandemic and not being able to go outside, wearing masks everywhere. And then just at least, I mean, all over the, like, America is going crazy with, you know, police officers getting trigger happy and, yeah, and shooting people. Like, I don't know if you persistent listen to any news from in America, but down in Wisconsin, which is the neighboring state from us. You know, there was a black guy that just got shot seven times in his back, and yeah, yeah, and he survived. Yeah, and he he survived, but his dad came out. He survived. He's in the hospital, but yet he's handcuffed to his bed. And then a white, you know, a white savior, some kid who's seventeen, who's not even supposed to legally own a firearm in this country, came into the town and just killed two other people. And it's yeah. it's insane. And then here in Minneapolis the other day, um, there was, you know, more riots and lockdowns for, you know, St. Paul, Minneapolis were locked down. There was a curfew. And, I mean, apparently what happened was a black man did commit a crime. Like, he murdered someone in a parking ramp. And then the cops were chasing him down. Um, and he, he knew he was going to get caught. And on there was camera footage like, in a crowded place. He committed suicide and and so then that started riots like kind of kind of unlike our i don't know shopping district in minneapolis and i mean my wife and i were out of town uh, um you know up in northern minnesota but having friends reach out to me and be like dude are you safe like you know are you are are you out and about it's just it's just something i guess in 2020 i did not think we were going to have to have this conversation with ourselves or even with our kid so i don't know it's a very volatile volatile time and i know maybe hopefully five ten years from now i can look at my daughter and be like yes you know we came to this protest here you know we had you know we saw all the national guard here and you know we've had to go through some checkpoints too so it's i don't know it's it's very surreal yeah it's aggravated yeah by the virus obviously oh yeah yeah i just yeah. i want to do over for it's a 2020. weird recipe <laughs> yeah so yeah Neil, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know some people probably know from listening to Revolution, but 
you know, who are you? Uh, what do you do for fun? <laughs> 20 minutes in. 20 minutes in. Well, we, we just had a history lesson in the first 20 minutes, so now we'll get to I'm a stuff. history teacher? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I, I, I don't know. What do, what do you guys want? So what's your I'm, dating I profile? A, yeah. What's your, my what, dating profile? What's your okay. Tinder? I'm uh, just kidding. I am, I am married uh, to my wife, Ruth, and we are approaching 15 years. Oh, congratulations. Uh, in the next few weeks. And we have two girls. Um, and yeah, so living living in East Belfast and um, my kind of day-to-day job is working as a civil servant um, within the, the government here, which is fun. Um, and yeah, I yeah I also do a bit of, well, I, I need to get back into, but I did do a bit of writing about movies and trying to connect those um, kind of spiritual aspects of, of movies that I'm watching and try to open up those for a wee bit of discussion and stuff like that. Um, cool. And yeah, what I, what I do for fun, I just went back to the cinema for the first time in, in oh, six wow. months. We, we just went to the cinema. I, I just went to the cinema last night to see Tenet. Um, <laughs> Tenet? The new Christopher Nolan film. Oh, is that yeah. good? Is that good? It is good. It, um, yeah, I can't. I can't really talk about it. Um, partly because I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> and partly because there's bits of it that I'll be honest, I just didn't understand what was going on. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a really good watch, and there's there's things to come from that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much me in a in a nutshell. And I suppose um, I find I find you guys through Revolution, as I said, and. Um, that has been really great for me. Um, we're not currently going to to a church um, here at all. Um, we were we were members of a church for a long time, and we kind of burnt out. Um, did the whole worship leader, youth leader type bit, mm-hmm. um, and on a volunteer capacity, not in a kind of paid way, but did all that and. Um, then did a bit of kind of the old deconstruction and the kind of pulling out of some of the blocks and stuff um, through various people like like Pete Rollins, Rob Bell, um, Richard Rohr and stuff like that. And you guys and your, your conversations have been really um, helpful in kind of keeping me um, touch base with those things and, and how to how to chat issues through that come up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan, guys. Nice, thank you. And and sometimes we don't always say it on mic, but it kind of how we all came together was I most of the people from Sacred Collective minus Caleb um, all went to the same. We all went to the same university, uh, Christian Conservative University, and then some of us went to the seminary. I think three of us went to seminary, so we were seminary trained. And, you know, we just kind of started it like being like a small group, you know, and I, I have reservations about small groups because, you know, they can they can turn poisonous very quick. But then, you know, and then I, you know, I, I had told my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to go to Revolution. I haven't seen Jay in a while. And so we were like, OK. And then I saw this guy, you know, Caleb, who had just moved up here from Kansas and was helping out and. You know, he was like, hey, you know, I invited him over and he, you know, he came over and we started recording and it just turned into what we have now, a sacred collective. But we always say too, like, you know, we're not the only ones going through these questions. We're not the only ones deconstructing. We're not the only ones who have been burnt out in church. So it is very um, gratifying. I know for me, Caleb and all of us, you know, when we hear other people, whether nationally or now you internationally who are like, hey, you know, these conversations are helping me understand things or, you know, just even helping you. I tell people we're not here to necessarily prop up people's faith. We're maybe here to help them deconstruct or reconstruct or just, you know, just be. So, yeah, I mean, we love we love that you listen to us. We're excited um, that you listen. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, I do remember um, – I, I I don't know. You had a podcast too. I want to say because I listened to a couple of your episodes, and then it kind of just then it just kind of went quiet. So I was like, "Is he still doing this?" I don't know. 
yeah, I used to I used to have a, a full blown uh website and podcast called Films and Faith, mm-hmm. um where I tried to to do that unpicking thing with films I talked about. Um and like I, I don't have to tell you guys um how expensive podcasting actually is, um and website maintenance and all these things and the time it takes as well. Um and also I found myself um I found myself within that I got to do some very cool things. Um, like I funny, I was just sitting here um before we, we started to chat and the, the kind of Skype call list of who who I Skyped with was on there and I remembered some of the interviews I did. Like I talked to the guy a guy, um, Andrew Morgan, who made a film about Rob Bell called The Heretic. Mm. Um Yeah, and I remember that film. I got to I got to talk to Josh Larson, who's somebody from film spotting and, and think Christian, that's right, that's right, I hope so. Um, who does that kind of film thing? I got to talk to him about a book that he released, and he was somebody who um, I kind of really respected uh, within that within that genre and things. Um, but I then I then find myself trying to to do it in a way to reach. Um, to almost like reach a certain demographic of people Mm -hmm. rather than just write as I wanted to write and and say what I wanted to say. Um, So I've had recently um, something that I'm working on at the minute is a, is a, Bit around the good place. Have you watched that show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't, but my wife loves that show. I love that show. And I know it's about. Yeah. So that, it without getting into spoilers, once it gets to the end of the good place, I tapped my wife on the leg and I went, "That's it. That's the thing. That's the thing that I, I think is the bit of where we go. Like it's not. So I'm trying to work out how um, to write about what I believe about uh, hell, but also what I believe about heaven, um, and that." is sitting in the background and I have been in some ways I've been terrified to, to, to push publish on it um, out of fear of um, what people might think of that. Yeah. Um, and that, that has held me back on doing that, but that's something that's in the background. And the day, the day I push publish on that, I will let you know. Oh um, man, I'm excited. <laughs> what a teaser. I know that's, that's a huge teaser. I, yeah, well, I don't. I do. You want to do it? Will we get into it? I. I'm very I have, curious. Mm-hmm. I. I have no. I have no belief in in hell, um, and. But I also have reached the point, um, where I ha- I, I put a tweet out one day, and I said, "Sometimes heaven sounds like hell," mm. and I had then somebody slide into the DMs and go, are you okay, bro? <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Um, and it was somebody I hadn't heard from, but somebody from my kind of church going, um, mission team past mm. and who, who hadn't spoken to me in a long time, but suddenly this, this idea that I had voiced this, this thing, they felt this is the point to re-engage with this person. <sighs> I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Um, how are you? And he goes, Oh, it's just that I saw that. I saw that tweet about, about heaven. And I was worried that you had fallen. Oh boy. <laughs> you stumbled. I, I have stumbled. Um, and I was, I, so I replied and I went, I, I don't think I've fallen. Um, at least, at least not today. I think that <laughs> I think that might have happened a, a few years ago for you, but that that's another conversation. <laughs> but I'm, I'm and I'm just it's it's this this concept of heaven being this this members only club that you can access via a certain password to get over the rope and streets paved with gold and eternal singing i'm like i don't know if i'm into that idea <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah join the party join the when party you, 
so it's it, completely excuse me. And when you get to the end of the good place, when they actually get to the good place, which they never explicitly name. Sorry, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched the good place. When when they actually get to the good place, they initially start with this concept of oh, we can do whatever we want. And they go and they do that over a period of years and centuries or whatever. And then they find themselves very bored because mm-hmm. they've done everything. So then they build this construct of a door that when you've had enough, you just go through that door mm-hmm. and you just kind of go to dust or out in the space. And you get, and that, that that's the point where it, Peter, <laughs> we slapped my wife's leg. Go, that's it. That's that's ashes, ashes, dust, the dust. That's that's the thing. It's like it doesn't the the physical place and the the idea of being stuck in an eternal choir <laughs> <laughs> terrifies me. Yeah. I don't want that for myself. That that's hell. Yeah. And that so that's what I meant by the truth. So that that's basically the pace in a very. <laughs> And a very quick um, turnaround with some more fancy words and hopefully some nice pictures of Ted dancing. <laughs> it it, it kind of sounds like if you're familiar with the theological phrase annihilationism, kind of what you were describing. Mm. I mean, do you know about annihilationism? No. no. Annihilationism is kind of when you talk about eschatology, the study of the end things, where... You know, people are like, oh, you know, there's the premillennialism where, like, you're going to reign with Christ and we're going to be in heaven and be there for thousands of years. And I'm like, you, Neil, that, like, growing up in the tradition I grew up in, the Pentecostal church, like, they had that and they instilled that to you. And I was like, that scared me. That scared me just as much mm. as, like, hell of, of like, you know, it was like, oh, you're going to be in hell and internally tormented forever. I'm like, that's no good. But then they're like, well, you're going to be in heaven forever and forever. Nothing's ever going to end. You're just always going to be partying with Jesus and talking to people. And I'm like, I don't, that's, that creeps me out. But annihilationism is, yeah. is a view that's been around for centuries that pretty much just said that we're all going to be annihilated. Like we're not going to, we're, we're cease, we'll cease to exist. Like there, there will be no mm-hmm. Neil's soul going somewhere or Brian or Caleb's soul. It's just in a way God will annihilate all of us, and and that and it's just not like he hate. It's not because he hates us or whatever, but that it's just it's like the final like end. Like we're we're just done. So kind of when you were saying that, or even like how the good place. There's a lot of theological stuff obviously in that show, um, mm. and since you do films and spirituality and stuff like that, I'm sure you obviously picked that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I personally don't believe in hell. Um, I believe in a heaven, but I don't know what heaven is because no one's ever been there. But just just the idea yeah. of our soul perpetually going on for eternity kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, if I'm honest. I'm just yeah. like, because uh, we, we don't think like that. We don't think infinite like that as humans because we can't. Mm-hmm. Like I can think maybe what next week's going to bring or maybe like a year's going to bring. But to be like, oh, a million years from now, my soul it's still going to be somewhere in this eternal realm. That's a, that's a very scary thought. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a materialist. I don't believe in any kind of conscious afterlife. I do find some, uh, solace in the fact that matter and energy can't be created or destroyed. So whatever we are is, is literally kind of eternal. Although everything is going to eventually burn out. All the stars will run out of fuel and the universe will go cold uh, I guess we're just nihilists. We're just nihilists. I'm just kidding. I guess I have, I have a little uh, t- flavor of nihilism in me, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really. Yeah, I don't believe in a no. It's good. But we're all over the place. This theology. We're doing th- history. It's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. you can't. You know what? People tell me. People say that I I can't be a Christian and uh, not believe in an afterlife or a, a a cognizant God. And I say. Fuck you! I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that that idea of like that that guy sliding into my DMs and kind of going, "Are you okay?" Because what you believe doesn't match with what I believe mm. is is really weird to me too. Like, why does it matter? Right. If I if I have this, if the three of us right now on this call have a have a kind of common ground of what or who God is, 
what or who Jesus is and what that whole story means and what we learn from that. What does the rest of it matter? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know that, and that's those are the conversations that when you guys when you guys do what you do, those are the conversations that I really I really enjoy because it, it batten all that stuff around to see what what comes from those conversations is way more is way more interesting to me than somebody going, well, I believe this and I shall not be moved. <laughs> right, right. Do you know, that that has no appeal to me. If 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 there's no if there's no room for discussion and and enjoyment and it doesn't have to be agreement, but there you know, we have to be able to to have and hold these conversations. Otherwise there's no there's there's no real point. For in, sure. In doing it, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the three of us obviously have different takes on just on just the one that one topic you know of, of the idea of like yeah. a, a, a soul or an afterlife and we're not trying to convince how, each other how of cool anything well and i think that's the problem in a lot of ways with the church no matter what you know what tribe of that you belong to it's it's you know i grew up in the conservative evangelical world here in america and i've been part of the more mainline liberal and i was just saying to my wife the other day because this is when this comes out, it'll be, you know, in a couple of weeks, but I've had a very trying time, even with my more mainline liberal denomination of, of, you know, it kind of came into my head is like, you're, you're like on the same side of the coin, you know, where you get mad at conservatives, evangelical Christians for being so narrow minded for being so, you know, you know, tight knit in their thinking but yet in a lot of the liberal mainline churches, they're the same way. They're like, well, we have our theology yeah. really open, but how you do church, how we do our polity, you have to agree with it or else in a way you're out of the fold. And then so you're kind of – and I think Pete Rollins says that in one of his books where yeah, – yeah. about like Christianity and atheism, it's the same side of the coin. You know, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, it's no different than being a fundamentalist atheist. And I think that kind of goes in a lot of ways too where – that's why with Sacred Collective, and I know with Jay and Caleb and stuff at Revolution, where the conversations are like, we're not trying to, you know, tell anybody how to feel. We're just trying to have a conversation and, you know, letting people have a space for, you know, open dialogue or, or you know, free thought. Yeah. And it's so it's so sad that church can't be that for a lot mm-hmm. of people or like the church has to yeah. have this, I don't know, has to have this stringent stranglehold on it. Mm-hmm. There was a thing the other day where um, the the Jerry Jerry Falwell Junior oh stuff gosh, all kind yeah. of broke, and I sat here in Belfast and I watched um, kind of my Twitter timeline, and I saw this kind of liberal left gathering of let's get the popcorn, let's get the you know you mm. can almost hear the knives sharpening, mm. and I'm like. This is not the way. Mm-mm. This is because this this breaks, and there is their their own family will be hurting mm-hmm. um, because of. And then there's a whole bunch of people who have signed up to what he has said and what he has put out into the world for so long that we now need to go to and go. Are you okay? Because I can imagine how much hurt this whole thing, and that 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 of all that stuff that is that is breaking and is coming out, it's like that will cause people in that kind of right conservative that that will send them into like some form of deconstruction. because oh. like a, a a building block has just come out of the house, mm. like a big central pillar has just come out of the house, and I sat and watched this kind of this knife sharpening and this get ready, let, like almost like attack dog type mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, this is not, no, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's, that's as bad as everything that has happened on the other extreme. And uh, we, we need to get better. We need to, we need to come and we need to meet in the middle and we don't have to agree, but we need to come and meet in the middle and be able to kind of, it's that it's that flipping hallmark cliche thing. It's like build a longer table, sit down, right, eat, 
ate together and check in on each other rather than just keep dividing this house because we keep dividing this house down there's going to be nothing left Mm. well and i and i yeah Yeah. and i think that's why i mean i don't know worldwide but i know at least in america speaking from an american context why i think there's such a divide with younger generations of of church and almost being allergic to it because we see in our own eyes like stuff that's happened in the church and we're like yeah that that might not be wrong or right what that person did but what about this grace thing? What about this love that Jesus, who we claim to follow, you know, you yeah. know, like there was part of me, you know, when I saw that Jerry Falwell, like I looked over at my wife and I said, pride comes before the fall. But I said, but mm-hmm. then I also was like, but just think about him and his wife and the countless students underneath his, you know, mm-hmm. tutelage at the school and, you know, alums of the school and just, you know, whoever. And I was like, the best thing to do as a Christian would to just, you know, the Christians around him to be like, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, pay for what you did in a way, like losing your position or, or whatever. And, yeah. But at the same time, it's like you're still in the fold. I know you still love God, but like like you just said, let's build a bigger table and and welcome because that's what God would do. And I think so many younger Christians here in America are like, we don't see that. And we don't see the church ever doing that. So why why be a part of the church if we know it's never going to change? You know, it's like that's like the definition of insanity, hoping that things are going to change, but knowing <laughs> that they never will. Right. Um, there's a, a theologian. I can't remember his name, but I was talking to Barry Taylor a couple nights ago, and he brought him up. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but. He said that the the purpose of Christianity is to destroy the church, uh, like to render it <laughs> unnecessary, and mm. you know, um, and to to get to, to kind of get past it, to get over it. Like we like it, it was it was uh, a vehicle, and now we need to destroy it because um, we don't really need it anymore. Because we can just like live, live Christians instead of you know practicing live Christianity. It out, actually, yeah. yeah. So that, so that was that was how I understood it anyway. Yeah, Barry has this this phrase that, um, and that that's somebody um, Barry and Maria at Hinko in 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 recent times. Just w- what they're putting out um, and where I'm at have have lined up so nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been doing a, a couple of their their courses recently. That's too. Um, yeah, we did too. Ah, um, <laughs> and I have had I've had such a great time doing that. And they they have this expression, this kind of post church thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's um, a reality to that that the actual church isn't prepared to talk about. For sure. Um, I think they just put their fingers in their ears and think, oh, Lord, they'll all those crazy people they'll all go away or they'll eventually come back and for for my own from my own family point of view we we have talked um in recent times about going back to church and and um going going back even to the place where we were and i kind of i kind of have a reluctance in yeah. that because i don't i don't want to i uh, part of part of that comes from other friends who are thinking of going back as well and I'm like I would rather just pick up the phone or call at their house rather than have this building designated in a in a two hour window on a Sunday morning where I know I will see them I <laughs> and plus I have to sing and possibly pay into I'd, I'd rather <laughs> just go I'd rather just go to their house and get a takeaway yeah right and just just sit at their kitchen table <laughs> and kind of go how how is life treating you? Right, right. And that that to me becomes more church than than the actual act of walking in the designated building to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those buildings are really starting to give me anxiety. Mm. Starting to Well and and my wife and I were just driving up to northern Minnesota. Um so we were driving, you know, we drove through Wisconsin a little bit too and 
in every small town that you drove through, and I, I mean, the everyone knows in the bigger cities where you're going to have churches all over the place, but some of these towns, Neil, that had like 300 people, 500 people, there was like six churches along, you know, Main Street, <laughs> and, and one town, there was two ELCA, like Evangelical Lutheran churches, right across the street from what? each other. Down the corner, there was a Catholic church, and then the end of the, you know, end of the strip, there was a Methodist church, and I was like... It just boggled me, and I'm like, you they're guys all are in a similar camp, actually. I was There's like, a lot of overlap there. They could all they could all just make a make, make a church together, right? <laughs> and then you have that one evangelical, you know, church like hidden away uh, that no one wants to talk about. But it's just one of those things where it just boggles my mind. I'm like, is this really what God wanted? Like when we were, you know, when you know that he was talking with the disciples, or like if you talk, like or you look at Paul and Peter and you know the, the early churches. It's like I feel like if they were like transported here to right now and they would see how the like, church has become they'd be like what the hell is this this isn't this isn't yeah. what jesus like, this is way worse than the form of judaism we were pushing against yeah no exactly and like i was with. even saying that to my wife and she's like no that's a really good point i was like you know like maybe it's a little less misogynistic well like little you know like bible studies or like i would even say like podcasting revolution i feel like this stuff is more of what early church obviously minus the technology but you know, having these conversations is a lot more church-like and biblical than what we have now in these giant cathedrals. You know, the uh, the Q text of the gospel was uh, probably a podcast. Is <laughs> there the, you go? Is the highest uh, th- going theory right now? That's that's a good takeaway. Yep. <laughs> well, Neil, we yeah. want to re- we want to be respectful of your time. Um, it's a Minnesotan way of saying he wants to wrap yeah, up. Yeah, that's a Minnesotan way. Uh, <laughs> but hey, you know, Jay, like Jay does it too. Okay, I'm just going to blame it on it Jay. Really no. is. You know, it, it really is. It means I want to go now. It's a midway. Well, I want to be respectful when's a good time, time to be like, okay, we could talk for six hours. But, How do we officially wrap this up? Yeah. yeah uh, I would love to. We would love to talk to you again. I mean, I think we could t- even talk about the troubles for yeah, like six we hours. A, we could do an I mean, it's people need to know. I need to be better educated about it. You know, a lot of people need to be. We better. could we could title it the troubles. We'll get we'll get all of our Belfast listeners on a group Zoom call. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that would work because I uh, please to anybody who has listened to me talk about the troubles in Northern Ireland. I am no expert. I am no. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking no from personal experience. Uh, yeah, it's. You know, it's it's as I see it, and not necessarily um, the the full reality. But yeah, I'm up. For, I'm up for that case. I guess the last thing, the last thing I'll say is what what would you, as a listener of Sacred Collective, what would you? I know we sometimes uh, don't always know what to talk about or what things we should do. Um, what would you, as a listener, like us to talk about? I mean, maybe we've already covered a lot of stuff in your head, but maybe, you know, uh, uh, an interview or, like, when we have our, our small group discussion, is there something that, you know, like, in your head you were like, hey, this would be really cool um, if they would talk about it? Um, nothing nothing really jumps um, into, into my mind. I think there's... Um, the part of the stuff I really enjoyed was the, the recent episodes around the race issues that you guys are facing. And yeah, there's, there's parallels, um, from, from our own past here, but also just that, um, kind of getting an understanding of how that feels for you guys kind of in the middle of that all, um, right now and mm-hmm. in, in the moment type of stuff. And there was, those conversations around um, uh, politics and, and things like that, I think, um, particularly in the in the coming months, um, are gonna are gonna be very interesting. So it'd be, it'd be great to have some kind of conversation around those, um, mm-hmm. and just just uh, I mean, the thing with it always is just keep doing it and keep keep the honesty and keep the openness and um yeah again just just thank you for doing what you do i'm I'm not going to tell you how to how to run your own house but keep keep doing what you're doing and and keep talking to all the great people and having those great conversations because it it does it does really really help um honestly cool and and truly it, it 
it's done a lot um, for me and um, has taken me to um, to other stuff and and um, other ideas and other ways of thinking that I I may not have considered before tuning into an episode as I just go out to casually walk the dog, you know. So it, it those those type of things you can't, on. you can't really. So yeah. That's cool. Um, how do you feel about the episodes where we obviously get way too drunk by the end? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's um, it's it's how every Belfast kitchen works. Um, <laughs> we have, I I can cut this out if if you want, Brian. But we have an unreleased Sacred Collective episode that is the funniest fucking hour of. <laughs> of of audio I've ever recorded, where we were just all yeah we were we sloppy. were uh, it was we were blitzed hilarious. we we were blitzed um, oh my god Brian won't let me release it probably not probably not <laughs> uh, maybe on Patreon maybe on Patreon uh, but yeah. the, but my thing is the people who are gonna pay for Patreon who like our our uh, uh, more you know reined in content are gonna be shocked by this thing. And, Anyways, this is a conversation for off the Anyway, air. yeah. But, Neil, thanks so much. Um, yeah, keep listening. We've got some other things that we're toying around with, like homilies we're going to do, um, which the Lament one just came out, and trying to connect with other people that want to be on for being interviewed, and then just our small group, too, and our, our dynamic. So thanks for those kind words, and, uh, yeah, we'll hope to do this again with you. It was a really, really great time talking with you. Yeah, anytime. Just just drop me a message and, and we can make something work. Sounds yeah. good, man. Have a good night, man. Thank you so much, guys. Take it easy. All right, yep. see you, Neil. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN.